Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, Elliot? We're consistent. Look at this, two weeks in a row. <laughs> wow, Welcome this, back. This should be our usual weekly thing, man. You know, it's it's I'm, great. I, I mean, I'm down. I'm down. What is episode twenty eight? Episode mm-hmm. twenty eight. Yeah, All we've right. made it to All twenty eight right. now. <laughs> and wow, do we have uh, two two heavy hitters? For mm-hmm. our 28th episode, a, a brand new film. I, I'd, I'd say at this point, it's still brand yeah, new, right? It's, Definitely going to get some Oscar attention, Academy Award attention. Mm-hmm. A- and a film that uh, is more so loved by a cult, the, the cult classics and uh, Quentin Tarantino, or no, uh, Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure Tarantino likes it too. <laughs> I'm sure Tarantino does like it, yeah. Because it's basically Reservoir Dogs meets like, uh, oh, Breathless. There we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's actually true. That's In actually sense. true, yeah. Well, the, the 400 two, Blows. Yes, ex- and 400 Blows. Uh, well, the the two films we're talking about, guys, in case you are wondering, are Wes Anderson's Bottle Rocket, shot in uh, 1996, or came out in 1996, and also his latest feature film, The French Dispatch, which just came out this past year. It's out in theaters, I believe, still, and highly recommend going to see that film if you're especially if you're a Wes Anderson fan like I am I've been following his work for a while now um since at least Darjeeling Limited and Royal Tannenbaums two of my favorite you know family drama uh slash comedy films um so he basically with the French Dispatch kind of continues this very visual poetic uh style that he has really developed at the start with bottle rocket Mm -hmm. uh in his career because bottle rocket was shot in 1996 um and came out then and it was his directorial debut uh it was also the debut for actors luke wilson and owen wilson and their brother andrew um (laughs) so basically had all the wilson brothers in one film um and it was (laughs) <laughs> I, I hear you doing that wow for Owen, eh? <laughs> there we go. Wow. Yes. It's not uh, my best. It's not my best, but I try. I try. It's, it's pretty good. I, I love the lightsaber version of it with Wayne's going, wow, wow, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so with this film, it really got a lot of careers, well, mainly got Owen Wilson's career started and Luke's. And it was based off Wes Anderson's short film they did, they shot in 1992. And it premiered in 94 at the Sundance Film Festival, and then which allowed him to then make the feature length film of this particular film. In the film, literally, uh, Luke and Owen play two friends who have uh, the wherewithal to just basically start doing heists locally in Texas. Lie, cheat, and steal. And it starts off in a bookstore and ends up at. Uh, uh, it looked like a prison slash. It's like a refinery. Refinery. Slash there we go. Something. Yeah. I, I, uh, it has yeah. a safe. It has a safe. In I, it. Mean, that, I mean, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Go ahead. You're good. Yeah. I mean, and, and as far as like a heist movie, it's it's very a weird satirized heist film in the fact that there's a lot of comedic elements about it. These two really don't know what the heck they're doing most mm-hmm. of the time, and it's just kind of like they're kind of. Fl- floating through life which in a sense a lot of films from the 90s kind of had that feeling because like a lot of the characters in a lot of 90s films just had this like sense of like where are we going 
with our lives. And I think that yeah. kind of reflects with this particular film. Would you and say nothing, nothing against the, the, the Owen brothers, but we kind of talked about this off the record, but it didn't hold our attention very long. No, uh, we'll you, we'll just say that you can be the judge yourself when you see it. But you were mentioning the start of a lot of careers. This also started Wes Anderson's career, pretty yeah. much his filmmaking career. Exactly. Uh, and I mean, look where he's at now with the French Dispatch. But I want to dive into Bottle Rocket because, I mean, this is the beginning and we yes. saw something where he's at currently. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it is it is quite a journey. Uh, oh, yeah. There is some romantic elements to it that are quite interesting because it's like, oh, you know, is this going to be a romantic type film? And then that kind of gets thrown out of the window really quickly and comes back at the very end. But it really doesn't ever have a beautiful like bow on top ending. And it, the movie kind of ends how it begins, and and on or the film kind of ends how it begins. Would you say just in a different place mm-hmm. as opposed to, I mean that you you see that with the last line that Owen Wilson's character delivers when he's walking yeah. into his his final his final place, which I found interesting. But shout out for me being from Texas, seeing a film <laughs> that like showcased Dallas and like Waco and the surrounding area was really cool. Mm-hmm. The the thing with Wes Anderson films, his style with location is to make very unrecognizable locations or show us places that we've really never been. You see it in the French Dispatch with this beautiful, very quirky looking French town ennui, uh, which was like shot in and around France. And, um, you know, so they, they can make and a lot of it was also set design, too. Mm-hmm. Um but with Bottle Rocket, yeah, it has that very like, you know, indie feel where they're like place placing these characters in like a uh, a, a weird location to somehow represent like, OK, these particular characters don't really know what they're doing still. And they're very young. So they're like they got their whole lives ahead of them, yet they choose to go down kind of a dark path in the fact that it's, uh, you know, they want to steal. And yeah, it, it's and like the thrill of the steel. Yeah, and there, there's really I don't personally I feel like for those characters there's, there's really no uh, like reason for them to be like this. Like, what's their motivation to to become like you know criminals? Basically, we don't really get much mm-hmm. of a backstory for either of you know either of the Owen brothers. Mm-hmm. One was in a psycho you know psychiatric ward, and right. he gets busted out by his by his brother. So it's a little like, unhinged, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, I mean, I guess you could say that might be, you know, the motivation. But then they're like, all right, let's just start stealing. And they start with, you know, the, the bookstore mm-hmm. of all places. It's going to totally have so much money <laughs> in it to, to take. And they, they come out with these little bags and they're so pumped about it and everything. And it, uh, it's <clears throat> it, it's literally a heist movie gone wrong in every sense of the way. Because it, like you said, there is the comedic elements and it doesn't take itself seriously. And mm-hmm. one thing I really wanted to talk about is the title of the film yeah. is Bottle Rocket, right? And I don't know, have you ever have you ever play, shot bottle rockets yes. before in your life? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know most across the country now that bottle rockets are illegal, like yeah. the the real deal bottle rockets, because they were you know people would hold them and shoot them at each other, uh, super dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, which what they're doing is illegal. You know, they're they're going in and robbing places, which is an illegal activity. And then also the unpredictability of how a bottle rocket, when you shoot it, you never know where it's going to go. Yeah. This film, you kind of never know where it's going to go. Right. And I kind of like pieced that together. And I was like, oh, because you see them playing with fireworks at certain points. They, they I think they have a spark. They have a Roman candle at a certain point and some other fireworks and stuff. But mm-hmm. 
I feel like it's called Bottle Rocket because of the, the fact of what a Bottle Rocket is and our two main characters, uh, Dignan and Anthony, both played by both of the, the Wilson brothers, is is like the encapsulation of what a bottle rocket is. I don't know if you kind of felt the the same or. Well, the two characters are have this very like immature. They can't grow up. They almost have like a very childlike view of what a heist is. And that's why they are only doing like these small jobs in and around town that, you know, most, and no one takes them seriously and no one takes them seriously. Like even the people they stick up at the you know the the plant or you know even in the bookstore they're just like you you got to be kidding me right so <laughs> you know because they just are not taken seriously and i think that want to for these particular characters to kind of belong in some fashion and also to somehow um figure out what like they really don't know what they want to do with their lives because you know until anthony really i think meets Inez for the first time and falls in love with her. Um, there's the film really has, as you said, no real direction on. Mm-hmm. We we don't know where it's leading, you know. And then you think it's going to go down a certain path with the love, uh, this particular love story between Anthony and Inez, but it <laughs> then he leaves and then he's like back to heisting with you know Dignan and then. It's like he wants back in with Inez and, and it, it has like a, it has a lot of ebb and story. Flow. Yeah, it's that typical like, oh, you leave the girl and then you realize you're missing the girl. So you realize you what you've you lost. Go, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those. that. But I mean, I think I think the biggest thing about we can take away from Bottle Rocket is that you got to see the start of like Wes Anderson's like style. Yeah, especially with his camera movements. Oh, the, yeah. The all of his pans, like the quick pan back and forth. I mean, you still see that in, in the French dispatch, the to putting it on a dolly and basically, you know, whip carrying it across to a scene. To, yeah, a scene to scene type of thing. Like, the wide I lens. I mean, that's where it all started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The wide lens shots, you know, when were literally shown mm-hmm. certain particular locations with the characters in it, um, you know, just also in a sense, even the dialogue. Uh, style has a certain character in and of, in itself in these two films, but it really mm-hmm. starts with Bottle Rocket, where it has a very deadpan delivery that act, the actors deliver. You know, it it has a very uh, kind of flatness to it, but then it's, um, in essence, then it's comedic in a sense too, because where it's just like very dry humor. And I've always noticed that about a lot of Wes Anderson's films, his characters like. They really like he get well, A, he gets ensemble casts and he can pretty much work with anyone in the industry. Uh, So he gets these ensemble cast lists in his films and just like lets them play with their characters, especially you Mm -hmm. see that with the French dispatch with Tilda Swinton as the uh, uh, as her character of like the uh, art, like the art uh I guess she's like the TED Talk person. Is yeah, that the TED one? Talk yeah. who's basically introducing us she's to the, the whole, presentation or whatever. Yeah, to the whole Moses Rosenthal story, you know, and mm-hmm. and the and mm-hmm. the background of of that particular artist and such. Um, she's just reveling in her joy of you know being able to play this uh, like a totally different character that she usually plays. Mm-hmm. Oh, one point I wanted to make about what you were saying that you know it, a lot of it is deadpan delivered in the Bottle Rocket is. 
Mm-hmm. All those moments that should be intense moments, especially the the end when they're trying to figure out when when the dude's going into cardiac arrest and all this type of stuff is going on, you don't ever really feel that as a viewer that it's like a high intense moment, even though it is. It's yeah. it's it's a life and death scenario, life and go to jail scenario, basically, right? Mm-hmm. But like you said, with the way the film is shot and delivered, you don't ever really truly feel that. You know, oh, these they're they're in danger. They could get in trouble because of how it is all put together. And I like you said, I, I believe that is something that Wes Anderson loves to to play around with is just the the humor when it's not the humor that's hidden in the simplicity of of certain situations or com- right. or complex situations. Well, and also, I think Wes Anderson really wants us to feel closer to Anthony than Dignan. And any of the other characters, because they're just kind of like, you know, there to bring Anthony's character into the world of mm-hmm. heisting and kind of it's like a fall from grace for him because he actually has the potential to be something better and something more than what he is kind of stuck in in that particular town of his or in that particular world. And maybe it's, you know, something that the director and I mean, like any director or or person going through a certain um time in their lives you know has that particular want to get out of a certain um you know like move on and and grow as like an artist as a um person and as a human you know like we want to have that we we have that need to grow so in a sense anthony represents that character dignan's kind of like the one who convinces everyone to go along with the plan and he's like that peer pressure you encounter in life right he's like that kid in school who you just want to like hit and then tell him to go away but he actually you know uh he makes a good point he makes a good point maybe yeah maybe i could do that yeah maybe i could turn to a life of crime and nothing terrible would happen and i would get everything i want to have the woman that i love in my life and not go to jail yeah exactly (laughs) and it's like Okay, (laughs) so really, it's Wes Anderson playing with character development and also really develop, as you said, really developing his style that we see in his later films and or subsequent films, I should say. Oh, Elliot, on that note, um, why don't we dive into the more complex uh, world of French Dispatch, the the world, the, the wild world of the fringe dispatch not to be confused with the wide world of sports not to be confused (laughs) with that there are no sports in here (laughs) (laughs) but there's a lot of uh interesting stories so basically the french dispatch is based off of a series of journal essays written for this uh, newspaper in france and written by multiple writers and journal journalists and it's basically Wes Anderson's homage to journalism and mm-hmm. how journalists really play a part in developing the voice of a particular town or place in the world that most people might not know of or might not be connected to. But also they show that actually we're not too different in our experiences and our um sense of like love you know hate uh sadness you know all the emotions that we all feel as humans we're not that we're not that different you know and it it 
pretty much this town could be anywhere really. And yeah. it's not, and I, what I thought was interesting is that in this particular film, there is a, you know, because it's an ensemble cast, both French and uh, American actors, Wes really didn't put it all in French or all in English. I love that it's mm-hmm. a blend of the two uh, languages because in a sense it has its own poetry and it also showcases uh, the French culture and the language as well because it's a beautiful language um, mm, and very romantic language a very romantic language and I think that plays into the themes of love in this particular film and also how we view art as well especially in the particular short story of Moses Rosenthal's character uh, played mm-hmm. by Benicio del Toro where he's like a convicted killer who ends up painting these beautiful works of art in prison and he falls in mm-hmm. love with one of the security guards who becomes his muse. And yeah, I thought that was is the art. out of the three stories in, in, in this three short, st- three or four short stories in the French dispatch. I felt this was like the strongest one. Cause it was mm-hmm. really Wes saying what it means to be an artist. Would you say? Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I definitely want to cover like each one individually, but I, I agree with you. I found the one, uh, I think it was called Art and Artist is like the the title, the little like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, whatever the title of the article would be in the newspaper is what it was called. I found that one to be the most like gripping to me. The other ones were fun and they had really good messages about society as well. Um, but I want, I kind of wanted to start. There was something I really wanted to, to talk about. I don't know if you caught this too, mm-hmm. but at the beginning when they're kind of introducing the film and it's it's already you know they're talking about this is the story of uh this is a couple of different stories collected from you know a newspaper or whatever you know about the death of somebody uh mm-hmm. love uh war and uh, uh, kidnapping basically right but all those lines that are delivered in the very first scene where they're all kind of sitting in the i guess you call it the journalist newsroom or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call that the newspaper it's very staccato and like the way they the dialogue ends, it kinda they kind of talk and it ends. And I was attributing that because I remember during that scene you had a typewriter going on in the background. And as a typewriter, when you get to the end of a typewriter, it ching and yeah. goes over. There, so like, their lines were almost matching it identically. Mm-hmm. And he does this a couple different times in the film with the stories. And I we didn't mention it in Bottle Rocket, but music and uh, the score is a huge part of Wes Anderson films as well. Right. It, it has a very rhythmic feel to it. I mm-hmm. mean, that that's a great example of how Anderson really um, makes the dialogue a instrument unto its, itself in, in his films, because it has a rhythmic cadence to it that could be either comedic, it can be really dry, deadpan, or it can be you know, um, feel natural or unnatural. And I, I like mm-hmm. that he plays with that unnatural and natural feeling of how we talk to one another. And in a sense, it has, as you said, the typewriter rhythm to it, which as, um, you know, being an homage to journalists and his I was love letter, say, it's a it, beautiful it, way to like start it off the yeah. film. Yeah. To get, kind of get an idea. But going back to what you were talking about in regards to our, our first, like, well, before that, we even have Owen Wilson's character. Owen Wilson, of course, makes another appearance because Wes Anderson loves Owen Wilson. Yes, he's they, in pretty much every sc- movie. Yeah, they went to school together and they're like, let's make movies. He's like, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he has that beautiful little kind of intro to 
he's riding around town on his bike and and showing what I loved about that is it shows how society has changed. And it was almost like mm-hmm. a, 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 good, a great example of kind of like how as an artist and for Wes Anderson too, you know, watching Bottle Rocket and now watching The French Dispatch and seeing where the world was at then in that film and where we're at now. Uh, mm-hmm. This was a beautiful, this was a perfect film to kind of also take that and look at the, the change because he shows it in real time, basically, when Owen Wilson's character... What was his character's name in this? He's like the the guide through those. Um, yeah, I, I. What was his name? Oh, oh, he's the Herb cycling Saint. reporter. Yeah, Herb Saint is is his character's name. But yeah, I'm when he sorry. when Owen Wilson's yeah. character Herb Saint is like pedaling around and showing you the town and showing you what it started as and kind of what it turned into, and that brings me into. And this is, it really encapsulates everything you were talking about with the art and artist, with uh, Simone and, and Moses' character, yeah. that every single setup in this film feels like you're watching a play. Right. It has everything, a, yeah. Has a very um, theatrical feel to it because it, it, it feels like you're watching a theater play. You know, just the way Anderson frames out uh the shots it's very um horizontally shot like a mm-hmm. a, a stage and he just lets his all characters all like play in front of it even like when the very first shots of this particular film the french dispatch you know anderson plays with you know the waiter taking the um i think it's like a bunch of like oh, drinks to all the yeah, patrons the drinks, in the, the building and everything yeah. and it's just the exterior shot of the guy going through up the stairs and it had this very like buster keaton type of charlie chaplin type of feel and it was just uh-huh. it, it's hysterical to watch but the way he does the passage of time in one shot it's so simplistic but it has a beauty to it because it lets you see the architecture of and it really introduces to the architecture of this town and also mm-hmm. it's patrons too, because like it's, it's, uh, inhabitants because, you know, even with Owen Wilson's introduction to the past and the present, not much has changed in this particular town. No. And, and that's what I loved about the film because it shows the timelessness of the, of, of the particular city that we're in on you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, and, and a lo- there are a lot of, little small towns that have really stayed uh have really like withstood the test of time you know they've they've seen war they've seen um uh, like political changes in their government or they've you know they've weathered time itself and they still are standing and its people are still standing which i find very uh interesting with this particular film that he went more with a um ensemble town like we we mm-hmm. are here we're we're still like living and this is a great representation but as i said before this town could be any town that has yeah you could that. put it in it you could put it in small town america you could put it because like you said everything that is happening in this town mm-hmm. uh happens around the world i mean yeah we've all had wars we've all had revolts all, we've all had revolution. heartache we've all had death i mean a new person is born every, I forget what it is, and a person dies every however minutes, you know? Yeah. And that's that's crazy for us to wrap our brains around because, you know, it's such a large concept. But on, I was having a conversation, that's funny, I was having a conversation with somebody on set about this that, you know, while while it's nighttime for us right now, the other side of the world is waking up. 
Mm-hmm. When we're asleep, they're living their lives and going about their day. When they're asleep, we're mm-hmm. living our lives and going about our day. Like that's it's it's such a big thing to think about. But I think Wes Anderson really captures like the quality of life and just uh, mm-hmm. what it what it's like to to be in different spots at different times throughout this film. And now getting back to because we we took a segue because <laughs> I brought that up, but I yeah. wanted to get back to this because you mentioned it. But getting back to the art and the artist. Yes. Uh, I don't know about you, but for me, and I want to hear your thoughts on this too, but Simone's character, uh, the guard. Yes. When, you, when she's posing, when she's posing naked for uh, Moses and he's, you know, doing his, his art and creation, it's almost like a, I'm trying to think of what the, what the right word is here, but it's almost like a, a symbol for, you know, maybe she feels more, more free when it's almost like with with society right like we uh, sometimes like rules and restrictions and government and stuff feel like we feel kind of you know either in in, like trapped or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. Uh, especially with this time for a lot of things going on just because of how the world has changed so much with with you know everything that's been been going on recently and then in those situations she's almost more even though she seems like you know at the time that She's kind of having a, a rough time with it. She's, you know, cracking all of her, her bones and everything. Mm-hmm. But at least it's a chance for her to kind of get out of that just monotonous Rigidity. role that she's got of being a guard and just going about her daily. And that's a beautiful uh, exploration of an artist, too, right? Like artists don't tip, don't live a normal nine to five job life like mm-hmm. most like a lot of people do. Yeah. And I think that was a we we're already talking about art in that little you know, uh, short vignette that we're seeing. And I think hidden under that is even a deeper meaning of what it is to be an artist. I wanted to know kind of like what you thought about that as well. Definitely. It, it is a representation of what it means to be oppressed as an artist and also how to break out of your shell and find your voice and, and your passion because she finds her passion in being a model for uh, Moses and Moses is like the conduit to let her live her passion, really her, her, her want and her need come through. And it's interesting because they, they do sleep together, but they also, they have, and they have like a really interesting relationship between the yeah, two, which is like kind of funny as well. Cause like, he's like sleeping with the guard and she like sneaks him out and, Let's I mean, he's paint. in an electric chair at one point. She could, yeah. she could basically kill him if she wanted to. I mean, it's a great power play too because she really holds all the cards. But he's also kind of, it's like a great back and forth because they both try to manipulate each other and they're perfect for each other. But mm-hmm. yet, he's killed people and he's in prison <laughs> and he's a murderer and she's the guard. So it's like, well, where where does the line? Where's the line drawn? You know, like, and they constantly toy with that line uh, going across it and back and forth and stuff. So, yeah. And I think I think the important thing that you mentioned is that she was doing all this on her own. Like she wasn't being right. So like how you said, like she really, you know, she was enjoying doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Because she didn't have to do this. She's way, way higher up than him. She's the guard. He's the prisoner. She was allowing herself to to be able to free herself from the monotonous thing that she had to keep doing. And she eventually, you know, fell in love with him basically in a strange, unique way that 
is a very unique relationship that you don't typically see on uh, in, a, in a film or a story for that matter. In a sense, she also kind of leeches off of him because it's really his he, he is actually her way out and out of out of being uh, or out of having this simple life because they even tell a little bit about her background. You know, she had a kid and had to give up the kid, but then she has to, you know, she's, that's why that's kind of like her motivation on why she's trying to get out of this kind of thankless job. (laughs) And she sees her chance with Moses. And, uh, so really, I, I thought that was like the most interesting of the short stories, but then like, you know, obviously the one with Timothy Chalamet, the revisions to a manifesto, with him and Francis McDormand being uh, part of a revolutionary movement that's happening in mm-hmm. the town between the students and the police and wanting, uh, basically, he writes a manifesto on the revolution and, um, you know, like just, it's really <laughs> the simplest thing because it's, it's really just inspired by petty concerns over the access to the girl's dormitory um and also uh the traumatic military conscription of one student as well uh which then later inspires the bigger uprising of everyone together which yeah and i I love that chess also becomes like the motif for that particular vignette because you know chalamet's character you know zeffirelli plays the police chief in a in a game of chess and literally the police are just outside the wall that they've erected and they're yeah, just what like did Wait. He say? yeah it's like night to whatever and, and they're just playing a, a a game of chess but in a sense life is like a game of chess because especially in the political landscape you know that whole conflict of you know light and dark and also um just the it's a power struggle did you read my mind elliot because i was literally gonna as soon as you started talking about it i was gonna mention the chess thing <laughs> I, uh, there's I, another yeah. <laughs> there's another like really obvious but kind of hidden symbol in in that as well and it's the famous saying make love not war because if if you recall at the end lucinda basically tells timothy chalamet's character to to go make love but doesn't say the war part. Yeah. But I mean, and, and uh, like they drive off on her little moped bike thing and there's bombs going off all around them. And it's like, it's literally make love, not war. I mean, it couldn't mm-hmm. be any more, any more obvious, but also at the same time hidden, if you're not paying attention that right. there's, there's one of the most common, I don't know, I guess tropes themes? or th- yeah, themes, yeah, tropes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, it, but it's, it's done in a really unique and different way, but still obvious. what anderson really tries to do with his films is also have some underlying theme of social statement that he thinks of the world like what he thinks of the world how he feels about it and it's kind of you know i i think that's kind of what he's trying to say with this particular vignette of the short stories um and then it kind (laughs) of it got really it, it flip flops quite a bit, like after this particular vignette. It turns into bottle rocket. It literally basically. turns into bottle rocket because then there's like a uh, there's a heist there, or <laughs> it's like or some kind of like you know, and and they you have could to basically call it a heist. I mean, it's it's police commissioner's son gets kidnapped. Police it's commissioner, a caper. like we call it a caper. That's what it is, an elaborate yeah. cape. Er, <laughs> yeah, 
And, and it's it's a wild ride. I mean, th- this is the most like bottle rocket of of the three. The the first two, I mean, there still is an underlying theme here, but the first two were really very focused on you know really getting a point across in a a hidden way. But this one's just more like goofy off the wall i mean there's a point where it goes animated and it turns into like a cartoon from like you know uh uh, uh, dick dastardly from wacky racers or something it kind of reminded me of tintin in a sense oh yeah yeah like Uh like the old old uh comics of tintin or even um some of the stuff by uh the great comic book artist uh, mobius uh Mm. in france uh you know like it has that it had that kind of feel to it i was like Okay, that comes out of nowhere, but I get what they're trying to do with it because it's yeah. again playing into the whole journalistic uh sensibility of the of the film. Um mm-hmm. and Anderson really plays with the absurdity of life's charmingness and like it's kind of like a surrealist um just throwing a bunch of stuff together like at at the audience and like okay, this is uh, a bunch of vignettes that I I really feel passionate about and want to show the world and how how uh, we're all alike basically you know well well if you, if you think about it like if you pick up a newspaper mm-hmm. and you flip to the newspaper every single page is a different column a different article that's much what like it this felt film, like yeah. right yeah. like it's everything's being thrown at you mm-hmm. and much like the news you pick and choose what you want to read or what you want to grasp or what you want to believe or not believe or who you think is trustworthy or not trustworthy. Like it's all open for interpretation. And I feel like of all the, all the vignettes at the end of the day, yeah, there's a, an ending. There is a final, you know, stop, mm-hmm. but all of these are open to interpretation to whatever you think is, is the underlying theme or the meaning or motive, because, you know, we could be completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing about news, right? Like yeah. there it's is subjective. no, yeah, it's all subjective. That's that's the beauty of of uh, having having the ability to to have so many sources and and avenues to receive our information these days. I mean, think about that. My my question to you: Do you think, in a sense, Wes Anderson actually is saying that film is subjective with this for film with this film? You mean just film in general? Is yeah, subjective? like film in general, because the way he plays with you know color and and dialogue and 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 visual framing and and such, um, do you think he is saying that film is very subjective? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, especially in today's time, yeah. we were having a conversation about this before we hopped on about the right. how Marvel's kind of just like overdoing everything now, right? But then you have <laughs> some of these other creators that especially in the i mean i consider some music videos to be be films like short films right right but you're seeing people pick up just their phones now at this point and and shoot things and and create things and people are taking all different types of meanings from it and then you see i mean there's so much opportunity and variety to create these days and anybody can do it so i think i think for sure film is a as a subjective medium at this Mm -hmm. point i mean like Look at look at what we have. Look at TikTok. Yeah, I mean that's, that's the a most... fantastic example. <laughs> like uh, everybody, every everybody. I mean, you scroll through every TikTok, and everyone's going to be different, and everyone could get a different meaning from every single TikTok they watch. Right. I mean, you that's have... what you're basically asking, right? Like, yeah, with yeah. social media and 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 also just yeah, like the whole 
landscape of film is changing. And I think with the French Dispatch, Wes Anderson really also is showing that journalism changes mm-hmm. over time. That's what the whole past and the present theme was. And also, you know, the the switching, I, I finally, it finally dawned on me just doing this interview uh, <laughs> that the color switches are basically, as you said, because you brought up a great point where it's like a newspaper. You go through certain newspapers and some articles are in color, some are in, in black and white print, you know, and it has that switching back and forth and mm-hmm. um, the subjectiveness of, of news and how we interpret news too, because and that, in this past year, in the past couple of years, we've had just a bombardment of communication and it's influenced political viewpoints. It's in, it influenced our, very world that we live in right now and and Mm -hmm. communication and visual and and information has become such a giant um winston say pain but problem now that we're having to kind of discuss and also figure out in in our day and age well because i think we've gotten to the point now where people are just so quick to believe the first thing that they read and don't don't try to create an opinion themselves by looking at all the the options and opinions. The facts, yeah. Be- because I truly believe every source is going to be swinged in some direction, whatever that direction oh, yeah. may be, right? Uh, and it doesn't have to be just political. I mean, it could be anything news mm-hmm. newsworthy. Uh, so I, I think I think what you what you know an underlying thing in, in the French Dispatch is that you really have to kind of look at look at all angles of different things, kind of just like just like in a newspaper, right? Like. When newspapers were the only thing that you were able to get your news from and you had to wait uh-huh. however long to get it or whatever, or you heard it through, a, a, I don't know, the, the, tel- the tele- a telegram, right? Yeah, that was a thing. It, it's like in, in this film, in, just like a newspaper, there's good and bad things all throughout. I mean, I know people that go to the obituary section of a newspaper because they want to see who died. Some people, I, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's wild, right? Yeah. But. We live in a time now with, how, like you said, with social media and how everything is so just everything is at the click of our finger to check out. And we get breaking news in seconds when it used to take, you know, it could be hours, days, whatever it may be, that it's so easy to skew our view one way because it's the first thing that we see. And we really need to be cautious of that and try to try to form the best, you know, possible uh, opinion of everything with as much collected source as we can. And that was one of the biggest things I was told going through school and college. And mm-hmm. even at that time, it wasn't, and we could say that about films too, right? Like you could, you could apply this to films. Look at, look at uh, rotten tomatoes. Look at all these big reviewers that give a film, you know, a, a 70%, mm-hmm. but then you go see the film and you give it a 90%. Well, what, what matters? Does a, does a crit- critics review matter more than your opinion? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, base their decisions these days on what the people with the check or the stars are saying when in reality we should base our opinions and decisions on what we think and i think take a look at blade runner like when it first came out (laughs) the original blade runner when it first came out had horrible reviews like everyone didn't understand it 20 Mm -hmm. years later it's now a masterpiece of visual uh, of the of film you know it's just a, you know, give that, that's the thing with great art, 
great art will last and withstand the test of time. And really, directors try to, you know, hopefully, the more artistic ones, I should say, try to make works of art that will thought provoke and also stand the test of time even after like and they don't really care about what the reviews are that's why i like wes anderson films because he could give two shits about (laughs) what the reviewers say and he Mm -hmm. just makes movies because he likes to make film He, he likes to make these films because um it probably brings him joy and it's like you can really get it. You get a sense that he just loves to be in this particular medium because it, it allows him to explore his imagination because his imagination's mm-hmm. like going all over the place sometimes. And yeah. it's really cool. Cause like it gives him an outlet for that and what's art, but to allow an artist to do that. Yeah. And the, and the problem with it is we live in a time now where a, a number means more than a feeling. I right. feel like, right? Like, and also an opinion. Like if somebody, if somebody, you say, you know, oh, I didn't like that or, mm-hmm. uh, and they, you know, they thought it was the best film on planet earth, you could be the wrong person. When in reality, you're not. Everyone mm-hmm. is entitled to an opinion right? A, 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 about art, especially. I mean, of any, of any medium, this is the one that everyone is entitled to say whatever they want. I, I mean, the, you could love you could love the fringe dispatch you could hate it but uh-huh. what what brings an interesting thing up is discussing it and talking about it with someone it's like okay if you yeah. didn't like it what did you not like about it what did you not think was 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 right or interesting yeah. or you know you could do that with any yeah. piece of art but a, a painting really ask like how did how did this film make you feel what is it yeah. what are the questions you have what are like what do you feel while watching this film and that's it's really film is an experience because we mm-hmm. go and devote you know two hours of our time and this is what tarantino and scorsese and all the greats are talking about now is like how are we going to be viewing film and uh you know it really is an experience that you know like you devote two hours of your time to be invested in this world that is being presented to you so and that whole thing is changing because of digital media and and streaming services and stuff so it's it's interesting how i i felt like the french dispatch was kind of like (laughs) a film that we that came out of that and also that wes is saying like hey uh, film is film is still gonna be a medium but there are, mm. there is going to be a future you know you have you know past and present time will uh change but the people in it won't you know or and, or or everyone has a role in this particular world to live their lives and follow their dreams and also you know share their art with the world too because i i think that's what he's really trying to say with this particular film yeah, I would agree. It'd be interesting to me uh, if we, if you sat down somebody of a younger generation, you know, somebody that's really like TikTok was their thing. I mean, yeah, TikTok's still my thing and your thing, but we're we're not the TikTok generation per se, right? Mm-hmm. A- and you sat them down and you told them to watch this film, and it'd be interesting to see what they got from it because right. newspapers to them are ancient, right? right. Like that and it's communication. Like Anderson's trying to keep that tradition alive with this 
And in a sense, yeah. film too, because mm-hmm. that's why he shoots in four by three ratio, because it's literally like, hey, uh, the original movies were shot in four by three widescreen. You know, we take it for granted. And the fact that you've limited, you know, your visual medium is limited to a four by three frame kind of contain is trying to contain film to its roots in a sense, mm-hmm. because, you know, we say, oh, this film reminded me of the 400 blows, you know, reminded me of a lot of the French new wave films that came out of the, yeah. the 60s, you know, especially mm-hmm. with Truffaut, you know, uh, Francois Truffaut, it's uh, or Godard, you know, it's like they're great directors that have influenced modern directors and you know anderson went to film school so it's like you know he he knows his is the craft so and he knows where we've come from and where we're headed and that's the wild and exciting thing about the world we live in today is that a lot of our filmmakers that are kind of making their way into the into the world of film uh-huh. a lot of them aren't going to film school anymore yeah a they're lo- just picking they're just picking up a phone or a mm-hmm. camera and go doing it yeah that's that's the crazy thing. I mean, like you said, with with the French Dispatch, it shows how the small town, you know, over time kind of stays the same with with technology and things and and the the film world. I mean, it's it's rapidly changing. Yeah. It's rapidly changing. I mean, we've like you mentioned about about film and how important it is. It's it's and going to be interesting to see over these next couple of years what happens to the film industry because. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I really there's with, a lot of variables every, that are unknown right now. Because yeah, well, I mean, look <laughs> at theaters. Look at how theaters have kind of are really on the back back end of I think the the theater time mm-hmm. at this point in time. I mean, and a lot of that was sped up by the events that happened over the past couple of years. But I think it was still going in that direction. So it's a, it's an exciting, but also like very questionable time for like where films going you know we need to keep films like the french dispatch and bottle rocket alive and we need to keep making stuff like that and there are creators younger creators that are grabbing from you know wes anderson and these type of people and and starting to create which in return is grabbing from Francois Truffaut and Godard and all those people because that's who wes anderson took from so you know ultimately it's still like an artist you know artists steal from each other which Mm -hmm. is great because that but the thing is, now they're bringing it into a, a new median, whatever that, where that's short form yeah, content yeah. or whatever it may be. But they're using those same skills and abilities to still keep creating meaningful projects, which is how we're going to keep art, especially the film uh, medium, alive. If you like this episode, make sure to follow us on social media at Film Detectives for further news and upcoming shows. Join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.